Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The new year. Oh, man. The new year is here. Wow, it went by fast. So let's look back at 2019, and we'll look ahead to 2020 on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. Darlene, the mic is yours. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Thank you, Darlene. Magnificent, as always. And welcome to a special edition of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. We will wrap up 2019 and preview 2020. I 2020, wow, that just sounds like such a great year. I'm joined by my producer and loyal sidekick, Bruce Bernstein. And together, we will put 2019 in our rearview mirror and look ahead to a very exciting and optimistic 2020. Bruce, you ready? I am ready. Let's do this. Okay. So I, I must say, my dear friend, producer, and part of the brain trust behind Pure Hoops Media, I have had a blast with this here pod this year. I just want to put that out there. It's been a real pleasure working with you because you are like the queen of all basketball media at this point. You're working for so many people. And I'm just grateful that you've still managed to find time for a little old me to keep to, to allow me to participate with you each week. So I wish you all of the best and continued success in 2020. And I hope that together we will continue to keep rolling along with this thing. Oh, look at us. Mushy gushies to end 2020. So great. <laughs> all right, let's, let's get into the hoops. Uh, big deal in D.C., the Mystics took the WNBA crown home on what had to be my favorite slogan for a team or program this year, run it back, and that they did behind the heroics of largely during the regular season, Elena Deladon, and then the finals, extraordinary play from one Emma Mieseman. I just love the Mystics story. Couldn't get enough of that one, I think, because it was very similar to what we loved about the Virginia Cavs on the collegiate level. Doesn't quite pan out one year. Turn right back around, rebuild, refocus, and you get it done the second time. The brilliance of Elena Deladon and the, as you said, Misaman, Christy Tolliver. I mean, those guys, they really were a true team. They they clearly had kind of like the the the, the number one player, but everybody played their role so well. They were really well coached, mentally tough, experienced. Um, part of the golden era of DMV sports right now, Monica. DMV sports are certainly, okay, well, we're going to focus on the ones that are golden because <laughs> it does leave a little bit to be desired. But the Mystics get a gold star for their performance. The Caps, although that were like a year removed from the Caps, but we'll still hold on to it. And of course, the Nats winning the World Series was fantastic. Now, uh, the Ravens, technically, in other places... I have to remain true to what I have said. I have explained why Baltimore technically doesn't count as the DMV. 
because the DMV is, is a term that actually refers to the metro area for the sake of this conversation. I'm taking all the credit for Lamar Jackson being from our region, although I will admit you guys know about my other pod. My team is the Skins, but it is certainly a good time to be a D.C. sports fan if you can get past the struggles of the Washington Football Club. <laughs> I realize that you are a pure member of the DMV sports scene. However, as somebody who doesn't live in that area, right? It's like when I first went to California like 40 years ago, everyone in California thought that people in the East were from New York, right? So for me, I'm looking at like, I'm looking at like, I want the DMV to have expansion and I want the DMV to include Lamar Jackson. I want the DMV to include Charlottesville, Virginia, also known as home of the Virginia Cavaliers. Come on, Monica. NCAA champion. Oh, Bruce, I wish you, I, you probably could see my face, but I wish our listeners could see our, my face. The DMV absolutely does not include Charlottesville, Virginia. Sorry, not going to happen. Now, one person I will claim proudly as a product of the DMV has to be the Connecticut Sun's John Quell Jones. She spent her formative basketball years here playing basketball at Riverdale Baptist High School, Prince George's County, smack in the DMV, and then, of course, her collegiate career and the numbers she put up at George Washington, heart of the city. Um, we loved her conversation with us, particularly, Bruce, I cannot continue to tip my hat enough because she had a conversation and made time for us while her home country of the Bahamas and her family in particular was dealing with Hurricane Dorian. And I just loved how candid and honest she was with us. And it was just a reminder that these athletes are not just people who go out and play games and score and try to win. Like they have entire lives and relationships and people that mean a lot to them that they also have to put in its proper place in addition to winning at a high level. That was one of our best podcasts of the whole year because uh, for the reasons you just said, but you could hear in over the telephone line, you know, that's how we do these things. These folks are on the phone. You could hear the emotion in her voice and the actual, like, you know, the, the, the feelings of loss that she was feeling for all the people back in Bahamas during that storm. I mean, we spoke to her probably the day after, or maybe even as it was hitting, the worst part was, was rolling over the island. And, uh, you know, she was telling us about she and Buddy Healed, how they used to be friends like back in the day. And just she talked about the GoFundMe that she was setting up to help the people back home. So not only was she a champion on the court, uh, truly a champion off the court as well. And she has the cutest puppy. His name is Rilo. You should look her up on Instagram to see him. He's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Better looking okay, than hoops. So you know, Rilo's a purebred. We're not going to hold it against hoops. Rilo's like a super curly, cute, some combination of a poodle and a little dog, but not poodle. He's so cute. Anyway, hoops is our girl. We love her. All right. So we also had some major waves made, Bruce, this year, as far as women being in put, put into positions that traditionally have gone to men, whether it be in the collegiate ranks or on the NBA level. So we'll start at the NBA level. Kara Lawson, who I know you're a fan of, uh, leaves her post as a lead analyst on women's college basketball and an NBA radio analyst for ESPN and takes a position with the Boston Celtics. And we've loved the videos that have been pumped out over the course of that time with her working with various guards um, against the Celtics because she's a fantastic guard in her own right. Swin Cash, who I think is wonderful, leaves her media post with MSG and takes a position with the New Orleans Pelicans in their front office. Tamika Catchings um, continues to make moves 
as the president, Bruce, of the Indiana Fever? I'm pretty sure that's what it that's how that's her position. I think that includes general manager, but I think it's all kind of rolled into the same job there. I was talking with former WNBA president Lisa Borders one time um, while she was still in her position in DC. There was a luncheon that the media were invited to. And she talked about going into negotiations with the PA while Tamika Catchings was still in position. And she apparently took off her suit jacket at the meeting and sits at the table and puts her elbows up and cross clasps her hands like she's ready to go. And Lisa Borders was saying how taken aback she was by literally her guns. Because everybody knows Tamika Catchings was a strong athlete and her guns are well-defined. And it was just a moment of she means business and that's sort of what she's embodied. So super excited for her. And then of course, one of another pod that we loved on this, um, this year for BBB, especially because she's the only, was Coach Ednisha Curry, who we call Coach Eddie, who was the, an assistant coach for the Maine Black Bears. She's the only woman that's an assistant coach at the NCAA men's level, which I think is fantastic, Bruce. I'll never forget when we were talking to Coach Eddie, I asked her a question that she didn't like, okay? I said, do the, uh, do the male players ever try and test you? And she goes, yeah, you know, I get that question all the time. And I could see that she was very miffed at that question. And previously, she had answered one of your questions talking about the Coach Eddie stare. And I said, uh-oh, I think I just got the Coach Eddie <laughs> stare. I said, sorry, Coach Eddie, didn't mean anything by it. <laughs> but, you know, obviously, she, w- w- you know, nobody wants to be on the wrong end of the Coach Eddie stare. <laughs> For sure. And I, I want to clarify something that I said. I think what Coach Eddie is doing is fantastic. The fact that she's the only one, I don't love. But I do think, for whatever reason, the NBA is one of the most progressive leagues out there, and so we applaud what they're doing. The NCAA has various policies that we would like to see change, and particularly different conversations with leadership. Institution to institution, the NCAA does not regulate coaching hires. But I do think that that is a space that has been traditionally led by men, and you probably have some traditional parents who would like to see their sons have strong male role models. And I get that that conversation may be a little bit more layered um, and may take longer than what the NBA has been able to do. But I certainly think it's an opportunity for young men to see strong women and also learn to respect them in that space as well. Well, I'll tell you what, two of the people that we just talked about are could be in line to get the ultimate respect in this game. Um, and that the uh, 2020 uh, Naismith Hall of Fame nominee list has come out. And two of the women that we just talked about, Swin Cash and Tamika Catchings, our nominees. So we will find out uh, final four weekend, uh, whether they're going to be inducted into the hall of fame in September. And I think we both would really like to see that. I think they're both wonderful uh, role models. Um, I worked with Swin Cash about 13, 14 years ago for a season at ESPN. And she is just a, a, a charming individual just a solid, solid person, and, and it's so great to see her working with David Griffin now in the Pelicans' front office. Looking ahead to 2020 uh, on the women's side, in addition to the WNBA season, where a lot of the injured players that were out last year are going to be coming back, we have the 2020 Olympics, which are going to be in Tokyo uh, end of July and August. And it's going to be really exciting to see uh, all of the great players, but 
for me, being kind of a UConn fan, Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi, ages 39 and 37, will be leading the team. And uh, Simone Augustus is going to be there as well. I believe Simone has three gold medals. Those other two guys have four. So to me, that's like it, it remains kind of the dream team of women's hoop. Wow. Huh. Sue Bird, who, who I vividly remember watching at UConn. Simone Augustus, LSU, fire. Um, I just, I can't, Diana Taurasi's going to hang it up soon? Like, that seems so crazy. Well, we don't know. Obviously, we don't know. And I think over the course of the WNBA season this year, Sue, I'd use the word bristled a little bit at the notion of how long she was going to play or at least being questioned about it. And I remember her comparing it to a lawyer or a dentist. You don't ask them how long they're going to practice. They keep doing it as long as they want and as long as they're able to. Um, but 2020 Olympics, man, like the women have continuously been dominant in that space. I can't wait to see it. I'm also excited for some of the new faces that we might see. We've got a chance to have a glimpse of this team, potentially Bruce with like Skylar Diggins and Nafisia Collier and some younger folks. Um, but I, I, to have that sort of leadership is fantastic. I mean, I just think the women are continue to roll and make it happen for sure. They've they've played some friendlies, and I think they're going to be playing some more friendlies in February. And one of the some of the clips that I've read, Skylar Diggins is just so excited to be back out on the court. I mean, those other guys were injured, but Skylar had a kid, so she took time off, you know, after becoming a mom. So I think you know she's quite a bit younger than those other ones. She's only twenty nine, but it's like, hey, Skylar's twenty nine. When did that happen, right? I mean, I always think of her as twenty three, but. <laughs> I guess it happens to all of us eventually, right, Monica? Indeed. And I remember Skylar dealing with her at Notre Dame. But I will say this, and we've kind of seen this through the course of 2019 on all sides and whatever athletes you talk to. There is a vulnerability this year that we've seen that was really refreshing. I remember the interview when Skylar talked about getting back on the floor after having her son and getting her body back and having the opportunity to play. And she literally is crying because she loves the game of basketball so much. It took her longer to recover between her baby and her knee injury than she would have liked. Um, and so something that she loved was temporarily taken away from her. And so I think the more and more we tune up our ears to really listen to these athletes talk about their pure love for the game and the places that they want to play it, 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 it just speaks volumes to the character and how much they've put into working at their craft. And, you know, as a guy... You know, we guys don't really get this, but all right, a, a male athlete in his prime, right, will play uninterrupted unless he has injury or whatever. And, you know, that's his life, you know, until he, you know, when, when he has a family, his wife has the child. For a female athlete, this is something that I don't think we really appreciate, like the whole human experience of being an elite athlete and then saying, you know what, I'm, you know, I want to start a family, but I'm not done playing yet. So all I can say is that, you know, I'm a huge Skylar Diggins fan. I hope that she's back and better than ever. Indeed. Well said, Bruce. All right. So that's what we have to look forward to in the summer of 2020 in regards to the Olympics. But Bruce, we would be remiss if we did not acknowledge the wild, wild. I want to say something clever, but it's not coming to me. <laughs> we'll just call it the wild, wild west that summer 2019 was as far as NBA free agency. The first big bomb to drop, I think, was Kyrie and KD teaming up to go to Brooklyn. All right, cool. That's what y'all want to do. I know myself and my friends at MSG, we would have liked to see it go differently, but that's okay. Here we are. 
Then we had Anthony Davis, who we knew was going to leave New Orleans. I personally was a huge fan of the That's All Folks t-shirt that he wore. Shout out to WB Cartoons. But then he ends up in LA alongside LeBron. And then did you see the report recently, Bruce, that apparently the Knicks were on his list as well? Anyway, that's, that's my gripe, not yours. Moving on. But I definitely think, and I think most would agree, that the earthquake of the summer of free agency had to be deep in the Kawhi quietly landing in L.A. as a Clipper alongside PG-13, Paul George, dipping out on Oklahoma City. The... Uh... My dream for 2020, well, not my only dream, but one of the dreams that I have for 2020, I believe the two LA teams are the top two teams in the Western Conference. You're on the Clippers train, I'm on the Lakers train, but you know they're, they're running one and two right now, and, and who knows. All I want is to see those two teams play in the Western Conference Finals. I think it could be one of the greatest basketball playoff series ever, and here's why. No travel, right? Both teams are on their home court. Seven home games for both teams. The only thing that changes is the people in the stands and the logo on the middle of the floor and the colors around the arena. But to have to be able to sleep in their own beds, to be able to know that they don't have to travel during that two-week period, I think could – and the compelling players that you just mentioned. I mean, the, the superstars out the wazoo that will be on the floor in that series – I think that would be one of the great stories in NBA history, really, to have a playoff series like that. And then whoever won that series, I think, would be primed and ready for the finals because they'll be, they won't have all that extra travel they had to do. They'll have, you know, uh, defeated a worthy opponent. And I just want to see that. That's just give me that for the Western Conference finals. And, you know, I'll be happy, fan. <laughs> Are you then also in the trend? Briefly, this was a hot subject that the NBA should revamp the way that they set up the playoffs period so that the finals are ultimately the two best teams, no matter the conference. No, I'm not with that at all. In fact, I'm okay. really against that. <laughs> you want to know why, or am I going to put people to sleep if I explain please this? Why. Strong feelings. Right. Please tell us why. It is not fair to have, just the top 16 teams, unless you're going to have a completely balanced schedule where everybody plays the same teams the same number of times. Because if you're playing a Western Conference schedule, uh, you're playing some – and again, it's a little bit closer this year, okay? I mean, I think the East is definitely closer to the West than it has been in more in recent times. But let's say, you know, turn the clock back two years ago when probably, you know – 13 of the top 16 teams in the NBA were in the Western Conference. There were teams that didn't make the playoffs in the West that would have made the playoffs in the East. So when you are a Western Conference team and you're playing those teams four times, and then you're only playing some of the weaker Eastern Conference teams two times, I don't think that's fair. I think it's better to, it'll be better for, uh, you know, competitive uh, fairness to keep it the way it is. Um, and I also think that it's better because it will keep more, teams fans engaged in the season because their teams won't be eliminated even the teams that maybe are on the margins won't be eliminated as early because they're not the you know they're fighting amongst their own people as opposed to out of this 30 team group if that makes any sense it does make sense and i definitely think the schedule is a part of the conversation that cannot be overlooked but speaking of not being overlooked bruce 
I the next two guys like I, I'm gonna give the edge to the one that plays in the Eastern Conference, but both of this year with their performance, whether you talk about last season, the crazy numbers, or even the numbers that they're putting up in the NBA heading into 2020 for the 2019-2020 season, Giannis Antetokounmpo and James Harden. I mean, James Harden had all the old heads coming out the woodworks talking about how his basketball game is this, that, and the other. Whether they liked it or loved it, he was major conversation all through 2019. The thing about James Harden, I mean, those two guys, I love watching Giannis play. Not loving watching James Harden play. Doesn't mean I don't appreciate what he does. In fact, what James Harden does is incredibly predictable, but he still is unbelievably successful at it. I mean, you know what he's going to do. You know he's dribbling the ball out there on the perimeter, and as soon as a guy extends his arm even a little bit, he's going to go up and that guy's hand stuck in the cookie jar, and guess what? Three free throws for James, all right? You know he's going to do it. He does it all the time, and he still is successful doing it. To me, there's an element of genius in that, <laughs> okay? And Giannis, all I can say, we were trying, I was talking to some people the other day, and we were saying, so, you know, what older time player does Giannis remind you of? And I'm like, uh, nobody. Giannis reminds me of nobody. The best I can come up with <laughs> is he reminds me of Kevin Garnett on defense and Magic Johnson on offense. Uh, he's got a unique skill set on offense, but like Magic, didn't really develop a consistent outside shot until later in his career. And Giannis is going to do that, I believe, as well, because he's such a hard worker. And on defense, Giannis is a defensive player of the year candidate every year, just like Kevin Garnett was. So to me, there's no one guy you could compare Giannis to. It's that kind of hybrid KG and Magic person to me. <laughs> I do think, again, in terms of athletes being completely candid, we've heard about his parents being Nigerian, growing up in Africa, he and his brothers, or not, excuse me, growing up in Greece, he and his brothers um, kind of selling goods on the street. Like, they didn't really have a routine. And Giannis's story through the ranks of the Greek national team and being found and how miserable he was when he got to the U.S. when he was initially drafted and how he has just blossomed. And even now, as he's getting all of these accolades and this attention, when you hear him in interviews, he still talks about how you know, I'm not really supposed to be here. And so I'm just so grateful and I want to continue to get better and expand my game. And, and it's that humility combined with insane natural ability and an incredible work ethic that is really kind of elevating him to the top of the class. And I, for one, cannot get enough of it. I hope he stays in Milwaukee forever because it's a really good franchise. They have good ownership, great management, uh, and he doesn't need New York. He doesn't need L.A. Giannis is like a worldwide star right now, and I hope that uh, Milwaukee deserves to keep him, and it seems like he really, really likes it in Milwaukee too. You know what I was wondering, though, what I wanted to ask you, because we are going to try and look ahead a little bit to 2020 as well. We still haven't seen Zion Williamson as we're taping this, you know, just before Christmas. What do, You know, are we concerned, and what do we think, what, what should we expect from Zion when he finally laces him up? What do you think, Monica? I do think that folks should temper their expectations. And I get it. I, this is not coming from a place of hating on Zion. In fact, when I had an opportunity to see Duke in D.C. in the Elite Eight when they lost to Michigan State and barely got past Virginia Tech, I don't know if folks remember that, um, you are so impressed 
with him. He is definitely a specimen. He's huge. He's strong. He's also a really friendly kid. He's kind of gregarious and smiles. Um, I do think, though, that folks need to temper their expectations. I just think the college game is very different from the NBA game. And I know that there are other NBA analysts, even former pra- players, that probably an extent. I, it's, it's just different. Bruce, it's different. There's a lot more space. There's more ground to cover. Um, I think the wear and tear on your body is different. And I don't know if we could blame this early injury on his weight. But the way that he was able to play in college, sustaining that over an 82-game season and banging with guys that are just as big, I just don't know that he's going to be as effective as he was. Do I think that he can be a solid multi-double-digit year pro? For sure. But I just don't. The meteor that was Zion in college, I don't anticipate being the meteor in the NBA. You're going to give me, I'm going to need about four years or so, maybe three for him to kind of adjust. And then maybe that star comes back. My my concern for him right now, uh, a lot of what you just said, I agree with 100%. But because he's been out a lot longer than was originally expected when he first suffered this injury just before the start of the regular season, I'm worried that because he is such a prideful young guy and he knows all the hype that's surrounding him, I hope that when he does eventually start playing, he doesn't try to do too much. I mean, right now, you know, it's going to be tough for that team to make the playoffs. And I hope that what he what he does, you know, in this first year is – gets himself comfortable. I'm sure, you know, Alvin Gentry, the head coach is going to treat him the right way. Alvin's been around the block a lot and he knows, he knows the routine. So I just hope that Zion just kind of comes out and just plays and doesn't put too much pressure on himself to do 30 points every night, you know, when he first starts playing, just come on out here and and get comfortable. And really next year is going to be your rookie year provided, you know, that his health is, you know, okay. My prediction for 2020, uh, you and I have talked about this before. You know, you're on the Clippers bandwagon. I'm on the Lakers. I really want to see Ben Simmons work on his free throw shooting, not so much his three-point shooting. I'm concerned that Ben Simmons could end up being a liability for the team because he's a shaky free throw shooter. And when you're a point guard in the NBA and you're not at least, you know, 75 to 80% from the line, that could lose a playoff game for your team. Mm, you know, okay, so one of the things that I'm, I hope I'm slightly synonymous with it is when I call games is I always express how much I hate missed free throws. That also applies to Ben Simmons. Do better, make free throws. Um, and yeah, free throws are great, so don't leave money on the table. Would you leave a dollar on the street, Bruce? A dollar? No. No. Exactly. No. That's no. how I feel about free throws. Don't leave money <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> it's free money. Take it. Boom. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Folks, thanks to all of you for listening and making 2019 a great year for buckets, boards, and blocks. We so appreciate each and every one of you. Thanks also to my producer, Bruce Bernstein, who is extraordinary, and our fantastic editor, Ben Wolfen, for being such incredible teammates. This has been so fun to run with you guys. Um, Please check out all of our other Pure Hoops media shows. The Mike Wise Show has a new episode each Monday. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong comes your way each Wednesday. 
the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman drops every Friday. Please be sure to check them all out. Download, subscribe, rate, review, but most of all, enjoy. I'm wishing all a very happy, happy holiday and a happy new year. Until we meet again, folks, enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 